Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of Stub Me Down, our final episode of season three. Pretty exciting stuff. My name is JW, and as always, I am here with my best friend and co-host Skinny, who had quite a busy weekend this past weekend, and I just want to say once again, congratulations to you and Amy. You guys got to finally celebrate your wedding with all of our friends and your families, and what a great party, man. Had a great night. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. I'm still recovering from that. Uh, it's definitely one of the best weekends of my life. So thanks for being a part of it and everybody else that was a part of it. We had an amazing time. Amy looked amazing. That's all that really matters. And uh, softball on Saturday morning the next day was rough. And <laughs> I saw Goose the next night. Yeah, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to ask you about your first Goose experience. I have two questions about that. First of all, the music, but I also, if you could touch on the chrysalis at Merriweather, which I saw some ridiculous pictures of. Is that what it's called, the chrysalis? It has something to do, I guess, with like a moth or a butterfly. I don't know. But I, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's like a hive. It's green. And it's in the woods, it looked like? Yeah, we're way back in the woods. So if you enter, I guess, that stage right to go to Merriweather, you keep going straight instead of going up on the lawn with all that new construction. And we kind of sat in the way back in the woods and saw some friends of mine. Actually, my colleague and my old English teacher was there with his son, which was cool. I ran into a classmate of mine from high school. It was really good. We had a lot of fun. They're very good. Obviously, I don't know pretty much any of their catalog. I liked what I heard. I thought it was really wild that they covered Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield. They sounded good. I, I like it. You know, I have to get into more of it. It's just a slow roll, but I like what they do. Their light show was really cool. The way that it came through the trees to us was neat. I'm not, I'm not really going into packed areas like up front. I mean, it was pretty crowded up there, but people are having an awesome time, man. They're, they're really good. They do have a pretty sweet light show. That was definitely one thing I caught when I was at the 930 Club show back in March. It's interesting too, bro, because you're learning an entirely new band, new catalog of music, new style of play. How do they jam? You know, they got one guy that plays the guitar and the keys, you know, and that's a little bit new for us right you know so i'm i'm in a similar position i maybe am like right two months ahead of you although i will admit that i have not listened to any goose this summer because fish has been on tour and that has really kind of dominated that and listening to the shows we're recording for has kind of dominated my listening space I definitely want to listen back to those shows specifically the one that you were at but i also heard that the Previous night, the Friday night show was also quite good. It's the new shiny toy in the scene. And of course, we know that Trey came out and joined them for a few songs when they were at Radio City Music Hall earlier in the summer. But now they have announced a tour. Trey Anastasio Band is going to do, I think, an eight-show run with Goose in the Northeast. That should be pretty cool. That'll be interesting to see them play together and then what kind of collaborations will come out of that so very exciting stuff and i know that it seemed like there was a lot of enthusiasm about it out there in the music twitter space as well so very cool to really kind of start to learn a new band be interested in learning a new band i think is a better way for me to put it at least because you know there have been bands that have come and gone 
We'll see if Goose sticks. But they can jam. Yeah, they, they can play. I really don't understand what the complaint hype is. People just have a hard time letting go. I've said this before. Transitions, letting go. You guys are all a bunch of fucking haters, man. Just let Goose be Goose and Fish can be Fish and Dead and Co can be Dead and Co and I'll be me and you'll be you and we'll all have a merry fucking Christmas. What, what's the problem with learning something new and trying to figure out like, oh, this this is definitely kind of in the same genre, but it's a little bit different. I mean, don't you people read books? <laughs> There's like different genres of books like, oh, I don't like nonfiction. Great. Read some fiction or whatever. A biography. You know, when it comes to genre stuff, I don't know why people feel they need to heavily guard whatever gate they think exists. But listen, man, y'all need to get over yourselves because they can jam and they're pretty good. And I didn't know anything about I don't even barely know their names. I just know that they're a decent band. They played at the Chrysalis, which is right around the corner from our home. And I like live music. So, you know, I certainly wouldn't be qualified to analyze it, quantify it or defend it or put it down. I'm happily in the middle of all that. And, and that's, I think, where I'm going to stay. Well, the good news is, Skinny, is that nobody is being forced to buy tickets to Trey Band or to Goose or to any show <laughs> that they don't have an interest in. Sure, Ticketmaster will do very well. <laughs> Start charging a hating fee convenience hater fee. Skinny, as I said at the top, today is episode 10 of season three. It's been a great ride this season. We've had some amazing guests. We've talked about some really cool music on episode nine, our last episode, we took a look at a Trey Anastasio band show or what was billed as a Trey Anastasio band show from the Anthem in Washington, D.C. The band had been decimated by covid Trey brings in John Fishman to play the drums. There was no horn section. Desron Douglas was the new bassist who replaced Tony Marcalis, the late Tony Marcalis. What a great show. A lot of monster tunes. Only 13 songs played in the whole show. We had a 30-minute Everything's Right. There was a strong blaze on, double encore. Great show overall, and that was a lot of fun to talk about. So... I can't wait to see Dez again playing with Trey and Goose. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm sure somebody won't like that either, but Dezron, we love you. Probably not. Yeah, Dez, you're the bomb. Other episodes we had this season. We had Jake Jolivet, the Fox Sports producer, who inserts Fish and Grateful Dead widespread music into... NFL broadcast. We're getting ready for the NFL to kick off here in a couple of weeks, so it'll be great to see what kind of selections Jake has for us. We had some other guests along the way, author Peter Connors, uh, our good buddy Matt Campbell, a.k.a. Fammer Time. We had Ed Lucas from Below Deck. We did some cool episodes with Just You and Me, which is our bread and butter and it's been so much fun. I can't wait to talk about today's show. This is going to be a great way to wrap things up. Kind of mirrors the 10th episode we did from season two as well, at least theme-wise. That's great. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to all those people, and thank you to, for those people that have been listening to us and then the other opportunities we've had. I saw you were on the after show for the Alpine on my birthday, 814, and then we had done two weeks prior to that lot show with Wook Plus, so Tim and Kevin... Those guys over there, thank you so much, too, for kind of having us on and yeah, talking about whatever it is we talk about. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think we know what we're doing, but you know, sometimes I'm just, I don't know. Anyway, thanks. <laughs> I'm kind of an idiot. It was a great opportunity. We, um, we talked to some cool people on those shows and Tim and Kevin over at Wook Plus. They're a lot of fun to talk to, right? And then we ran into Tim when we were on the beach in Atlantic City. Yeah, that was and, cool. And, uh, it, you know, it was great to see those guys. Hopefully I'll catch them out at Dick's next month. But it's just fun to talk to people and make new friends. And you know what, bro? That's what we wanted to do when we started doing this a few years ago. If you're new to Stummy Down and this is your first time with us, welcome in. Thank you so much for checking us out. The premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been to a lot of concerts over the years of our friendship. And what we do is we randomly pull a ticket stub from those concerts. And we use that show as a jumping off point to talk about the music, our love of the music, the funny things that happen along the way, and our friendship over the last 22 years going to see shows. So today on the last episode of our third season, the stub is yours, my friend. So if you don't have anything else, Skinny, are you ready to stub me down? Yeah, I never have anything else, man. Let's do it. All right, bro, what do we got for today? Well, from August 3rd, 2003, at Loring Commerce Center in Limestone, Maine, the last day of the IT Festival. I'm pretty excited to talk about three sets of music instead of a uh, usual standard two that we talk about pretty much with every band. Very exciting stuff. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what a great festival. What a couple of amazing days of music we had on Episode 10 of our second season, we covered day two of Magnaball with our buddy Jason, J.O. So it's cool that we're taking a look at another festival going back a few more years, what we just passed the 19th anniversary of this festival. And Skinny, you know, I was doing a little bit of homework for this one and I looked in the Fish Companion and some of the reviews of this and the Fish Companion says, and I quote, perhaps Fish's greatest summer festival judged strictly on musical grounds, which is really high praise for this. There were six sets of music over two days. I mean, there was also the infamous Tower Jam that happened the late night set on Saturday, August 2nd, which is my number one late night set ambient jam. I mean, not only for the scene, the band performing at the top of a control tower with acrobats dancing around the sides of it. I mean, that shit was fucking wild. What a day that had been. And then we roll into this second day of the festival. From the opening to the closing notes, this was a power show. I did some research myself. Really? Believe it or not. And I, I did. I did. It was a, it's a very small subset of research. And I had only seen Fish eight times prior to this festival. How far now along, considering 19 years later, when I've seen well over 100 shows, just Fish alone. But I had seen eight shows prior, which included the 730 Camden show, which really held up too. I mean, I felt after that show, like, what are we going to see? Because we skipped the next night. They played 731 in Camden, too. We were going up to Portland to meet some friends, and then we were rolling up to Loring. And if any of you made that drive, I mean, it is, it's a monster drive, you know, from Camden. That's a monster drive. It's up there. I'm so glad I'm here to talk about it today. 
Yeah, the ride over the GW Bridge was a little, yeah. a little sketchy. So that summer 03 tour, Skinny, for a little bit of context here, this was the first summer tour that the band had played since 2000. They had the hiatus. Their last show prior to the hiatus was October 7th. Then they came back uh, New Year's 2002, so 1231-02. They played at the Garden, and then they played three nights in Hampton, which were... Rough. You could tell the band was still kicking off some rust. They had some new material that they brought to the table. Then they had that really strong February tour. We actually talked about that early 2.0 tour with Fammer Time, and he stubbed us down on a show from that tour in February. We also did... March 1st, 03, with our buddy Billy in our first season. So that 03 winter tour really set us up well for this summer tour. So the summer tour was about 21 shows, and it started in Arizona. Interestingly, though, Skinny, the first performance the band had was on June 11th at Game 4 of the NBA Finals between the New Jersey Nets, the then New Jersey Nets, and the San Antonio Spurs. They sung the Star Spangled Banner before that game at Continental Airlines Arena, I think it was called back in back in 03. Is that Brendan Byrne? Yes, Brendan Byrne is what it used to be and and then it's Continental Airlines and I don't know what they call it now. <laughs> does Continental Airlines even exist anymore? I don't think it does. So I don't this is obviously quite a quite a bit ago. They probably still had ashtrays like in the seats or the armchairs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. The Nets actually won that game by one point, Skinny, and then lost the series 4-2. to So they started that tour off in Arizona. They had 21 shows. This night was my 26th show, Seeing Fish. And as you mentioned, we were at that 7.30 Camden show, which was ridiculous. Monster You Enjoy Myself in the second set. Was that a four-song second set or something ridiculous? It's a great show if you want to pull that. I mean, that might be a, a future consideration for us. Although, didn't you do that? We did the You Enjoy Myself on uh, How About That Jam, right? I don't think so. We didn't do that. No, we talked about it, and then I pulled a Louie on you, and you, I had already chosen something else. And Nobody wants to hear our problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. That night at Camden, that 7.30 show, we were leaving directly after that show and driving to Maine. We were excited about going up to this festival. We had made the decision to skip the second night of Camden. Just because of how long that drive was, we didn't want to get stuck behind a lot of traffic, right? I do remember as we were getting ready to close up the car and head north from Camden to Maine, the lot was popping off in Camden and there were people lighting fireworks and there was a car right next to us and the dude lit off a firework that came probably six inches from going in the open back door of my only a few months old car at that point. Right. It was a lot of them too. It wasn't just one, dude. It's like they tipped over and then started shooting out sideways, which is always really fun after a show to like have to deal with like possibly your car burning down because some moron wants to light up fireworks and doesn't know how to do it it was all set up for a tragedy but it was luckily averted well and we had all that gear you know we had tents and chairs and coolers and everything you need for you know essentially three or four days of being on the road we definitely dodged a dodged a bullet there and a big one the three of us we had uh it was Christian, myself, and that one other friend, and the drive up 
through New Jersey up into New York the first couple hours was interesting to say the least, and I think I'll leave it there. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you've ever gone over the GW Bridge, it's not it's pretty big and you know, tractor trailers at you know, whatever that was, twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, you know, that that train never stops and pardon the lack of, you know, perspective about it's not trains, there's cars. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it. Cars, trucks, yeah, and buses. Yeah, you're just worried, at, you know, that you're going to get to the spot that you're going to, and it's many, many miles away. And I just want to make sure that I'm not wrecking the car and horribly injuring anybody. But we we made it up to Portland, I think, the next morning. You know, we had a chance to reset, meet up with a couple other people who we used to see shows with, take a shower and stuff at their uh, bed and breakfast, which I'm sure their proprietors were very happy that we stopped by, if only for a little bit. And then from there up to Banger, and then from Banger all the way up to Loring or Limestone. So we have a great picture. I'll put that on Instagram of us in front of the Limestone sign. But even then, driving in was like another hour because you're on route one basically which is just it's one lane on each side which led to some of those other issues of getting out of um, the ed festival too which took a long time well and i had ptsd from oswego which had been the 1999 wasn't a summer tour ending festival but there had been significant traffic trying to get in to Oswego. I had been at the PNC shows that preceded, and it took us 10, 12 hours to get in. We basically parked the car and ran to catch the first set. So I really wanted to avoid that. We ended up camping at a spot not far from the entrance. We started setting up, and then people were like, oh, no, they're, they're letting people get in line. So not long after we were like about to crack beers and make food, we turned around, put everything back in the car, and drove over to get in line. And then we sat in line and, you know, for, what, eight hours or whatever and slept. And when they opened the gates the next morning, we were we were already in line. Yeah, and we were one of the first, you know, probably a couple hundred cars let in. I remember we were lined up pretty close. So I think the way that we had planned it out worked pretty well. We did stop at that one spot. I do remember like the sunset that night. It was absolutely gorgeous. And the weather was pretty perfect uh, up there, especially early August. It's probably just starting to get cold up there, which is crazy to me. I mean, I saw people that lived up there and was like, there's no way I could live up there. But it is beautiful. It's right there, you know. And the other thing about Loring is, I, I, I don't know if you know this. Here's a stat for you. If you've ever seen the movie War Games... When they're all in the NORAD center and they're wondering if they really are getting attacked by Russian missiles, they're like, Loring, are you still there? And you guys are like, hell yeah, we're still here. Like, so they, they didn't actually get attacked by a <laughs> nuclear weapon, which I guess if it goes over the circumference of the earth, it's a B-52 landing base. So they would want to attack Loring first, but not that it would matter. I mean, everything would be obliterated. Anyway, that's my war game story. I just wanted to point that out. In case you've ever seen that movie, you'll see... Cultural relevance. Yes, very much so. Cultural relevance. Relevance, yeah. The other thing, Skinny, I'll mention just real quick before we get into the first set here. I'm sure that many folks have by now seen the Woodstock 99 
documentary on Netflix. And I was watching that with my wife who was at Woodstock 99. I had gone to Oswego in 99. I just thought it was such an interesting dichotomy to take a look at what happened at that particular festival. Now, granted, you're talking about a quarter of a million people versus, you know, what, 60,000 people at a fish festival. So the numbers are significantly different, right? But the way that the festival was run versus how fish runs their festivals, I just, I had to laugh at not being able to bring in water and food and some of those things that you saw in the documentary that were like, Imagine the festival that we go to, the festivals that we go to doing something like that, even like All Good or, I mean, I haven't been to like a multi-band jam band festival in quite some time, but I just thought it was interesting to see the reaction of, of the fans and certainly the music was much different than Fish Show, right? But oh, yeah. just the atmosphere, I think, that was created, there were a lot of bros at Woodstock, and there's a lot of bros in the fish in the fish scene too. But I just thought, as I was watching that and getting pictures of even the worst of a fish festival in my mind, like even at Coventry, like people weren't tearing shit down and lighting stuff on fire because of of you know. I don't think that's a fan base. I think you have two hundred fifty thousand people who are going to see music and want to rage out and do whatever and forget that they even really exist on this planet. It's like another entire realm for them. Whereas like festivals that we go to, people are more inclined to be helpful and like, oh yeah, do you need something? And that might be just because of the overall nature of kind of where people are when they see these festivals. They know they're going to be there for a long time. They know that they can bring in food and water and all these things that you need. And it always seems it's just a much more calm kind of feeling. I also think that the heat at that Woodstock 99, because I saw the doc too, and the HBO one, but I just recently watched the Netflix one. The heat and the planning, it was terrible. You know, they didn't have any spot for them. They didn't think about shade. Like nobody thought like, you know, we're going to get 250,000 people here. We're going to need cooling centers and we're going to need all these things that you would definitely have now. And they didn't even think about right. that. It was not even a thought. I, I thought that the original Woodstock planner, I thought he should have bore a lot of responsibility for that. He already saw a potential disaster, and you could even say that Woodstock 69 was a disaster, but it wasn't because in that time frame, people were not obnoxious and rude and say whatever they want and do whatever they want. It was more about, you know, peace, love, and understanding and helping your fellow man or woman out. But I thought that he really just kind of dropped the ball and so did the other um, event producers. They just didn't have any idea what they were doing. Sure. Well, you also didn't have Jerry Garcia up there screaming, give me something to break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. You know, but you can't, you can't implore bands to change who they are just because there's something going on that you didn't prepare for. I mean, that's kind of like Ed Sullivan telling the doors not to say we can't get much higher. You can't control what a band is going to do once they get on stage. You can say whatever you want to them, but once they get on stage, they pretty much are going to take that artistic license and shove it right up your ass. Right. 
They're right. They're going to play the show they want, and they're going to stay true to whatever whatever their style is, whatever made them successful. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and and Limp Biscuit style is like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to start talking about Limp Biscuit, but I wouldn't blame what happened on them or Corn or whatever. I would blame it on the producers of a festival that was doomed to fail because there were some things that they didn't think out, you know, right from the beginning, right? Exactly. Well, and that was the, you know, that was the musical scene in '99 too, right? Well, and here, let me make one more point. I'm sorry. So, like. Look at, um, you know, Magnaball, It Festival, even Coventry, which was an environmental kind of disaster, but, you know, they still kind of held it together and things worked out, even though it was kind of miserable. But look at Curveball and the the chance to still go up there and try to have that festival, but knowing the band taking control and saying, we can't do it. They're boiling water. It's been a lot of rain. We, I mean, didn't they even try to dry the field at Watkins with like helicopters and stuff. They did everything they could, but they're not going to have 60,000 people go up there and get sick and get trench foot or whatever just to right. play, you know, two days of music. So <laughs> things like that, I think, are better that occur now because there's some maybe thought to the past and, and how, they, you know, you need to take care of people when they're going up to something like that. Yeah, totally agree. Well, talking about the It Festival Day 2. Now, interestingly, Skinny, the festivals that Fish has played since, I guess, Coventry have all been three-day festivals. They do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This was just two. This was just Saturday and Sunday, as was Coventry the following year. So let's get into the first set of 8-3-2003 up in Loring, Maine. Fish takes the stage and they open the show with Daniel Saw the Stone into Saw It Again, Punch You in the Eye, Army of One into Chalk Dust Torture, Wilson, Mike's Song into I Am Hydrogen into a set closing Weekapog Groove. So... Daniel Saw the Stone, that's a nice little rarity there. So they debuted this one in 1993. A lot of big gaps, though, with Daniel Saw the Stone. They busted it out this summer of 03 at Star Lake, and that was a 285-show gap. And the gap that it had before that was 288 shows, February 23rd, 1997. So they have not played Daniel Saw the Stone a lot. They've only played it six times since it, and the last time they played it was during the Baker's Dozen on August 1st, 2017. Um, Interestingly enough, Skinny, we saw this version, and then the very next time they played it, which was at uh, Meriwether Post in Mm -hmm. June of 2011, June 11th, 2011, we were at that version too, and it opened the show. So we saw two back-to-back versions of it, but that... Merryweather 2011 was the last time I have seen Daniel Saw the Stone. Now, I don't know if you were at that 8-1 Baker's Dozen show. I was. Jerry's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, so you've seen that more recently than I have, considering it's only been played six times in the last 19 years. I've seen three of them. <laughs> That's crazy. That's a nice little stat to have. You've seen 50% of this, the, the versions of this song, which is cool. Great way to start the start the show too i really enjoyed that and then saw it again comes in which they had debuted in dublin ireland in 97 on that european tour and this is the 16th version i like saw it again because whenever they play that 
I feel like they're kind of referencing something else that they have done. We just saw that with the uh, night two of Alpine this summer tour. They did 1999 into Fluffhead, and in 1999 they played a great version of Fluffhead at Alpine Valley. And then, so this time it was 1999, Fluffhead saw it again. So I like a little bit of a reference there. I couldn't figure out what this was referencing. It was definitely a fun way to start the show. And then a punch? Come on. Day two of a festival. You're ready to rock when that punch hits. And the punch is really good. Let me say something about the solid again. I like the beginning of that song. This is a weird one. I don't hate the song or anything, but I like the beginning of it. But then when they start going into solid again, it's like a half and half. It's like an Arnold Palmer. So it's not. I'm not indifferent about it, but I'm also not like, oh, I love that song. But I'm also like, I don't hate solid again, but I've seen that plenty of times and if you've been to Merriweather, I mean, there's been a Saw It Again fest before there was a Tweezer fest, so you should get back and check that out. But anyway, the punch you in the eye is really solid, and I'm sure this being my 10th show ever, I was pretty happy to see this. Listening to it again, just a solid punch. I wish they kind of would have maybe just started the whole set with this, but, you know, I, I'm okay with it, but it's got... All the flavor you want out of a punch. The crowd's definitely hype. I mean, there's not much you can say about it other than it's, it's great. And on re-listen, it's just as good as it was that day. So I love it. Yeah, I mean, this didn't really diverge from the standard version of punch. It's coming in just under nine minutes. So it really packs a punch here in the third spot of the set. And then you get a little bit of a cool down here with Army of One, which was the second time they had played this tune. They debuted it at the Gorge couple weeks before uh, this is an undermined tune and that's really all i have to say about that well it's the second time actually in the first couple of songs and four songs that they mentioned references about stone maybe they're talking about limestone itself because daniel saw the stone i didn't even think of that yeah and then army of one i i forget the lyric right now i'm now Paige mcconnell so i'm certainly not going to sit here and try to go back through my rolodex and sing you a little tune they mentioned Stone twice, and I think that's a throw to that. I did look up some of the basic information, whatever, you know, what albums are, are things off of, and one of the descriptions about Army of One was back in 02 when this album came out, the U.S. Army was recruiting with that Be an Army of One slogan. So I thought, oh, okay. yeah, 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 I remember funny. that, of course. I stayed away from that. My father told me never to join the military. Boy, was he right. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with it. Just saying. Uh, my father was in the Navy, so. A- after that, man, how about this chalk dust torture, bro? Well, before we even get into it, now, how do you think chalk is made? I, I have no idea, bro. <laughs> right? Isn't chalk a derivative of limestone? Am I making up stuff here? (laughs) So I'm not trying to... I said this. I wasn't to myself. I wasn't going to try to start a theme here, but then it just came to me. There's two references to Stone, and then maybe the Solid Again references... uh, What was the Great Went was also up there. Uh, I just think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. This was the third time they had played Limestone. Lemon Wheel, Great Went, and then this. Right. Lemon Wheel, Great Went, and now it. So maybe that's the solo again, just to kind of go back to that. But, you know, the Chalk Dust, listening to this at the pool yesterday was definitely 
the people around me were putting in their earbuds because there's so many <laughs> things that happen in the chalk dust. And I believe a lot of it too, once they get to the middle part of the jam, even at the end of the jam where they like pick it up, I don't know, it's like double or triple time where they go back into that chalk dust. It almost seems like it's a little weird getting back into it. I'm like, are they rushing here? There's no way. This is, how long is this? Almost 30 minutes, 29 minutes? Yeah, it's almost 26 minutes. Okay, so I feel like this song and a couple others, which I'll mention, are really hearkening back to that tower jam, which when we were walking around after the show the first night, then the lights start to pulsate. And I'm like, what is going on over there? And it was like a beacon, and we're like, we should go over there. And <laughs> Meanwhile, I also have to add, Skinny was in a hip-to-ankle knee brace because he had torn his ACL earlier in the summer. So if you've been to a fish festival, any of them, maybe, you know, the last couple have been a little bit more bougie as far as, uh, you know, you can stay at a hotel and... <laughs> I, I like bougie. They ride you on a bus and stuff like that. I mean, you can do the camping and, and all that stuff. I haven't camped. I think this was the last time. Coventry was the last time we camped. We slept in the car. If you've been to Limestone, the amount of walking that you have to do, I mean, it's miles and miles and miles per day to get from your car to the concert grounds, to get food, to go back, to get to the shitters, all that stuff. So this guy is walking around in this knee brace and so we were had I think we had just been kind of cruising around seeing what was up and then at one point we kind of looked back and as you said it the lights on the tower were pulsing and they were the pre-show stage purple right I think I think it was you that was like we need to walk over that way yeah we were going the wrong way we were like walking way up the tarmac just to see what was going on and you know people were selling stuff to eat and whatnot so we wa- we did walk back and when we did nobody was there yet and then people started to mill around and we literally sat at the bottom as far as you you could get because i think they had the bottom gated off obviously you couldn't get to like the bottom of the tower but man that thing was awesome it just looked like a candle wick in the middle of maine you know especially when they got the smoke yeah. going off the top of that so what I'm referring to, I guess, in so many words, is that I really believe, specifically, they hearken back probably right away, but they get more ambient maybe about 10 minutes in, and it is just, I was thinking to myself, type 2 jam, this is like type 4. They go like, <laughs> I'm not very, really good with that stuff. I'm like, oh, dude, it's not type 2 jam. I'm like, all right, I, yeah, what do I know? But usually when something gets this deep, you get past 15 minutes or so, they're going other places. And, and really, they, they take this so many different places. And it just reminded me of that ambient tone that was set the night before, late into the early morning hours of IT Festival. It was just super freaking cool. Really cool. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison where that theme from the Tower Jam lingered because it wasn't just in this chalk dust as we'll see as we continue on through the show, but they really get into that type 2 darkness pretty quick. I mean, you're talking six, seven minutes. They are deep into that type 2 real dirty, gritty sound. 
at one point, like, I thought because Fishman started doing a little snare drum work, I thought they were going to drop in a possum around, like, 13 minutes, and then they veered a different way. Then towards, like, the 20-minute mark, it sounded like they were going to go back into the formal part of Chalk Dust Torture to bring it down. But then they slip right back into a Type 2 jam for another six minutes or so. That whole connection of that jam to the Tower Jam the night before, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking about these jams, and there was kind of a focal point big jam in each of these three sets, and then I'm kind of thinking about like the love and light and hope that we live in, you know, in the the 4.0 era. And there was none of that this weekend. There was none of that this weekend. (laughs) You know, a lot of people, when they talk about the 2.0 era, talk about darkness and, and stuff like that. I didn't necessarily feel the darkness in terms of negativity in 03. I think that came around more in 04, and obviously the band quit in 04, so I I think it was a little bit more on display there. But I wonder if some of that, you know, some of those beginnings were here during this time period. I mean, this Chalk Dust is probably one of my all-time favorites, hands down. Yeah, it's so good. I remember where we were. Like, it was really difficult for me, like when you mentioned that I had that brace on, but the first day and the second day in the first set, I we were like page side down front. And when I say down front, I mean 40 or 50 rows back. Very clear sight lines to the stage and what they were doing. Like you said, they were, even though they're in a dark place and the way that the jamming was going during the song, they seemed really, really into it. I mean, I, I remember the Chalk Dust specifically like, wow, this is a monster. I didn't know they could take this places. Again, remember, this is my... 10th show of all time now i'm really my claws are getting sunk in just based on what they're doing so uh, great chalk dust if you have not heard this which i'm sure every fish fan's like yeah i know it but (laughs) maybe you haven't heard it in a while you should go back and listen to it because it's amazing absolutely absolutely and the wilson that comes next i think demonstrates like where they were still having fun right so they come in trey misses an entire verse of the wilson and then he's I think realizes it and said that was our shortest version of Wilson ever and he dedicated it to the archivist Kevin Shapiro and then they make a joke that they're now going to play the longest bittersweet motel ever like you could tell like up they, they were they were having fun then the crowd gets into it a little bit too and the crowd is chanting fluffhead you know trying to encourage the band to say fluffhead and this is where we get the infamous Mike says no comment from Trey and then they laugh and then they go into Mike's song and you know we're gonna make skinny says no shirts and you know every time the band is about to you know maybe play something or maybe they're gonna drop a nice jam here Mike says no so I I think that that was kind of a a funny moment in fish history fishery yeah well he also saves uh Trey a little bit he sings the Henge lyric in the Mike song which I thought was pretty funny but it's funny to hear that stuff on re-listen too the remembering that Mike says no and you know hearing Trey and then the bittersweet motel joke so I agree with you like they're having a lot of fun yeah well in the odd you can really hear the crowd chant I mean it was literally like the entire crowd was chanting fluff yeah it was cool and I don't know what the stats on where they had not played fluffhead in a while which is why that was happening or was that just the crowd just wanting that? I don't know. 
because I can't remember. I don't know if they had played Fluffhead in 2.0. I would have to look I back. think that was the case, but, I mean, who knows? You know, we can always go back to that one. I don't care. The Mike's Hydrogen Weekapog was perfect. I mean, what a beautiful way to close out this set. And as I was listening to this skinny, I was thinking about it. Do you think that... This suite, the Mike's Groove Suite, aligns a little bit with Help on the Way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower. You know, kind of a little bit of a heavier, deeper jam to start, you know, especially when the Mike's drops it into the groove, right? That kind of mirrors Help on the Way. Then you've got a little bit of a breakdown into a slower-paced instrumental, the light, fun, concluding piece with the Franklin's Tower or the Week of Pog Groove. That just kind of stuck out to me, and I was like, oh, this is kind of like Fish's Help Slip Frank. I never thought about it that way. But sometimes when you have influences, and, and I know that Trey said that many times, or he said it a while ago. He doesn't have to say it anymore. I mean, one of their influences is the Grateful Dead. It's not like it's not an influence. So maybe you're after something there. I'm just not chasing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this week of Pod Groove was almost 14 minutes. And this also has some of those dark elements in the gym. You know, week of Pog is usually a pretty bouncy, happy, uplifting, positive type of tune. But there are a couple of minutes in this groove where it kind of reflects back on that darker theme that we saw in the Tower Jam and then in the Chalk Dust. But what a way to wrap up this first set on Sunday. So let me just go back and review set one from day two of the IT Festival back on August 3rd, 2003. The band opens with Daniel Saw the Stone into Saw It Again, Punch You in the Eye, Army of One into Chalk Dust Torture, Wilson, Mike Song into I Am Hydrogen, and they close the set going into Week of Pog. Set two, bro. I just can't even. Like, let me just read it. Mellow Mood opens the set into Ghost. I can't believe this ghost. Into Mountains in the Mist, Pebbles and Marbles, You Enjoy Myself into Chariots of Fire, into a set-closing loving cup. Skinny, we've talked about Bob Marley on Stub Me Down on numerous occasions, Soul Shakedown Party. We've talked about his influence. We might talk a little bit more about Marley's role in our lives and in our kind of musical journeys as we move forward on the show. But a mellow mood here. This is only the fifth time that Fish has ever played it. When's the last time they've played it? Do you know that? The last time they played it was at Dick's in 2018, September 2nd. So it's currently sitting at a 257-show gap. Missed that by a year. Now, here's another interesting little fish nerdery, courtesy of JW. So we saw the fifth time played here. The sixth time they played it, we also saw, which was at Meriwether on June 27, 2010. They opened the show with that. So again, we we saw back-to-back versions of this. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Don't sleep on Merriweather. Good Lord. 
there's a couple of tunes. We the Daniel saw the stone. We saw back to back versions. The mellow mood. We saw back to back versions. And there's a song in the third setting that we also saw back to back versions. So interesting stuff here. I mean, what a great way to start this set. Everybody was just so stoked, and then boom, they punch us right in the goddamn face with one of the most amazing ghosts I have ever ever heard. I, I believe when I was there at this point, I was in the back by there was like a a group of trees kind of on the right and then all the art stuff was like by that and then to the right I can't even remember some of the art stuff like I know there was like this like kind of house like we walked through or some like artscape thing it's like a little town I felt like right it set up yeah it was really weird some stuff was like buried upside down right like trees yeah. buried upside mm-hmm. down and stuff like, it was cool but so I was in the back for this ghost and I just remember thinking to myself like this thing is never going to stop. I was thinking that after the mellow mood, it was just going to be like mellow mood ghost for an hour. And then we were going to go back to the car. And, <laughs> and that's ready the for, set, yeah, right? And that was it. So on re-listen, I really feel they're going back again to the night before once they get out of the formal part of the song. And it is just dark and ambient. And maybe that's really where they were at this point in their career which it was starting to get that way so those elements maybe uh, that were backstage or in their own personal lives whatever uh, were kind of creeping in musically without them knowing it or maybe they were aware of it I don't know you know I mean they seemed pretty happy like I said that weekend it was a lot of fun Uh, it wasn't like there was some sort of overhanging depression or sadness when we were seeing them I probably would have stopped seeing them at that point the ghost is fire not only just because of Again, this Type 4 jam, but they really, again, are hearkening back, I felt like, to the Tower Jam, which still musically, I didn't say this, is, is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen when it comes to like concert going or what I've seen, and I've seen quite a bit. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, this ghost is the best description I could come up with is that this ghost is scary times, and in the middle of this thing, you don't know what's happening. You don't know where you are. You don't know what the band is doing. You don't know what sounds are real or what sounds you're hearing in your head. As I'm listening back at one point, I'm like, if they're running a loop that sounds like almost like a ghost screaming. Yeah. They peek this out a couple of times. There's a little bit of, like, this is what space to me would probably sound like because of the different screeches and sound effects that they were using. At one point around like the 20-minute mark, it was like (laughs) the whole effect of this and then where we were and we were in the trees and the lights. If you ever want fish to scare you, listen to this ghost. Or scare the other people around you at the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what I think I did yesterday. I think... Like you said, the ghosts reflects the chalk dust, which reflected the tower jam, and there was some connections throughout all three of those, and eventually a fourth big jam that we'll see in the third set. I can't say enough about this ghost. Just a furious peak to the finish, nice little transition into Mountains in the Mist, and Mountains in the Mist kind of felt like, okay, all right, uh, we're safe, you know, like, we're safe, we made it to the other side. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And that version's really good because after listening to that yesterday, I was like, oh, cool. Like, 
I forgot Mountains in the Mist is after this because I'm, I'm taking mental notes. And I was like, oh, that sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, and, and Mountains in the Mist, this was only the 14th time they had played that. It debuted in 99 in Atlanta, June 3rd, 1999 in Atlanta. So um, still a relatively new song you know it's not like they had played it 20 or 30 times right so it was a great cool down there before an absolutely spectacular pebbles and marbles and i know you really like this version yeah i like this version a lot just because it's solidly played now it's 12 minutes and i think it gives it a little bit of room to breathe but it doesn't have the same type of longevity or punch that some of these other jams did because it doesn't really need it you know hearing tom marshall talk about what the song means to him it was about his daughter and i have two daughters and just thinking about my kids a lot of times so i guess i was kind of doing that yesterday because my youngest was swimming at the pool and i'm watching her listening to this so there's not much to it other than i think when you finish hearing it on pond relisten you're like wow i'll listen to that again that's that's something that's right up my alley and Lately, ever since the Beacon Jams, I think this tune has really gotten to the right. fish conscience, I guess, of most of their fans. Like, this is definitely one that you want to hear, especially if they extend out the jam or they just play it like it is even on the studio album. So I, I love the Pebbles and Marbles, and I think it was a, it's a great precursor to uh, You Enjoy Myself, which is fantastic, too, but does not... I think they tried to repeat, at least Fishman did, tried to repeat what they did in Camden. I just don't think the rest of the fellas could keep up with him. Right? He's, he's really solid on this version, but the one that's played in Camden a couple of nights before on the 30th, that's the bomb diggity. This one tries. It's the little brother of that one. You know, it's the, I'm glad they played it, especially in set two, the final day of the festival, because you know not everybody was going to Camden. They were coming up for this festival, so it's good. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on this. Uh, you enjoy myself here, but it does not have the same extension as the one in Camden. And I think Fish was pushing for that the entire yeah. time they were playing it. But they just were like, I mean, especially like, dude, the Chalk Dust, the Ghost. They just played a really smashing Pebbles and Marbles. And then they do You Enjoy Myself. And Fish is like, I, I can keep going all night long. And they're like, well, yeah, we can't. <laughs> Well, and Trey changes the lyrics. They say, boy, man, God. And then instead of shit, he says it. And the yeah. crowd loses it right. over that. And the cool part about this is the vocal jam at the end goes into Chariots of Fire. Yeah, I want to know who was going. I guess that was all of them. This is the only time Fish has ever played Chariots of Fire, but they were playing this as they announced the winners of the Runaway Gym 5K, which I guess had been run Sunday morning, which... Yeah, it was Sunday morning, which was like, there's no... Yeah, what the fuck, dude? I, like, come on. We were just up watching the tower until, you know, 2.30, whatever, and then walking around, walking back to the car. I mean, we probably didn't go to sleep until 3.30 or maybe even 4. And They should have hit it, like, 1 in the afternoon or something between two sets or something. Could, like, or they... They should have given an award for, like, somebody that finished last. <laughs> the guy was still running by the time when they were when they were playing this set. After Chariots of Fire, Loving Cup closes the second set. About a seven-minute version here. You know, just a nice get them back up, get them dancing before 
the last set of the weekend. So just to review the second set from IT Festival Day 2, the band opens with the only 2.0 version of Mellow Mood into a monster 32-minute ghost into Mountains in the Mist. Pebbles and Marbles comes in at a beautiful 12 minutes, nice and compact, but doesn't feel it. It definitely has the feel of a longer jam. Nice you enjoy myself into Chariots of Fire, and they close the set with Loving Cup. Which Skinny brings us to the last set of the weekend, and this one holds up just as well as the other two. I, I just, I still can't get over what we saw this day going back and listening to this. Both nights of the weekend, unbelievable music, but this Sunday show just blows my mind. So set three opens with 46 days Julius into the Lizards, Secret Smile into Run Like an Antelope, which closes the third, and then the encore is Good Times, Bad Times, the infamous Led Zeppelin cover. Well, before you get into the set, in between these two sets, you and our mutual friend that was with us were going to charge the front for this last yes, that's right. set, and as we were ever kind of by the beer garden... I had already said, listen, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it over there. I was really starting to get tired just because I, my leg didn't have an ACL in it. So it's kind of <laughs> difficult to get around even with the brace. But in between that, as I'm feeling sorry for myself a little bit that I can't charge the front or, you know, do whatever everybody else is doing, this guy comes out of the front row and... He comes out of nowhere, and he was gray in pallor. <laughs> he looked like he had been up front on the rails since Saturday set one. I've never seen a guy look like this. I mean, he looked like he was literally going to keel over at any moment. He looked dead, but was <laughs> living. I mean, yes. he was gone. It looked Zombie. like the dude hadn't had a drink of water or a bite of food to eat in weeks. Like his cheekbones were sunk in. Like yeah. all you could see was like the the outline of his skull in his face. And it's crazy. Shot out guy is what we <laughs> Shot out guy. So shot out guy, if that was you, you know, I hope you're still around. You know, who knows? But it was funny, but it was it was also like stop trying to be so hardcore. <laughs> yeah, take care of yourself, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you're the most important person to yourself. So listen, shout out guy. And if you're a shout out guy, we want you to take care of yourself too. You know, music is great and all, but there's no, no reason whatsoever to you know, waste your health on you know, seeing fish. You'll be all right. Yeah, and, you know, for sure. You can live. Yeah, drink, drink a glass of water. Yeah, there you go. I just wanted to the story about shout out guy because I haven't seen anything like that since. Well, and, and of course... You know, we were almost 20 years younger than we are now. And so at the time, it was hilarious. Like, look at that guy. Like, you know, and looking back, like, you know, I'm kind of like, man, you know, 20-year-old JW was a little bit of a dick for making fun of that guy. <laughs> right. So was 32-year-old Skinny. <laughs> at the same time, like, come on, take, take fucking care of yourself. You're on tour, like, I'm sure somebody would give you a bottle of water. Somebody would give you, like, an extra grilled cheese. If you're like, dude, I haven't eaten in days. And they look at you, and they're like, all right, you look like you're about to, like, keel over. Here's a a fucking couple pieces of bread and a slice of cheese, you know? (laughs) 
Anyway. Anyway. We hope you're doing all right. Shout out, yeah. guy. Wherever Good luck to you. Maybe we'll see you at Dick's. All right, Skinny. 46 days, 39 minutes to open this set. Now, I will, I will say this before you share your thoughts on this. I had a conversation with a guy, uh, this dude Steve that um, I, I know, and he said that this 46 days only gets props because it's long. He said, oh, it never went anywhere. It was just kind of a wandering, aimlessly type of jam. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think that this jam goes to a lot of different places. I think it echoes the, the ghost and the chalk dust going back to the tower jam. But this 46 days is, I mean, my favorite version of this that I've ever seen. Well, I can understand maybe where he's coming from because I wouldn't say it meanders. <laughs> That's not the adjective I would use. I would say that it crushes, but also harkens back the last time in the last set of the festival to the tower there was something that they did on top of that tower amongst themselves that really came through the next day and and that's was either a subconscious or a conscious decision of the band to literally put those elements of the night before into certain songs the next day yeah it is long and i remember even at some points now at this point i'm all the way in the back and i think i'm by myself for this set for most of it i think it really speaks to the fact that maybe people were tired of the ambience by this point and they just wanted to rock out instead of like go into this fantastic world of where fish was i could see that and maybe it did get a little bit long in the tooth but i don't think it's only good because it's long i mean that's what she said i i i just don't i don't get that how that would even make sense so that somebody at fish.net would say well it's one of the best because it's the longest i don't think it works that way i think it works more with how it was played but again I could see how a fan would say, well, I don't really like it. It's just 30-some-odd minutes long. Who gives a shit? It's not that great because it doesn't rock out. And I think that's what people were kind of wanting at to open up set three. And as we all know, and we've talked about on this show several times, they do whatever they want. And I thought that they had gotten into a groove, again, to repeat myself, from the Tower Jam. That's all. Well, and, and you're right. I mean, they open the set with this 39-minute monster. So that's a little bit different than starting with the mellow mood and then going into. Right. You're not necessarily prepared for that opening slot to go 40 minutes. Maybe you are. Like, there are definitely times that it has. But I think it definitely caught some people by surprise. One thing that I thought was interesting, Skinny, was around the 25-minute mark, it sounds like an early version of the bullfrog tone that I love so much. <laughs> I think I gotta get back and listen to that. Yeah, that I thought was kind of interesting. And there were also like these wind sound effects, you know, that they had going on. So again, there was like that kind of trippy space ambience. Around 26 minutes, you can really hear them settle into that tower jam feel. And that continues really for the next probably 10 or 15 minutes. They go back into like the formal part of the song to finish it up. Yeah, they do finish it, which is interesting. I didn't think that they were at that point going to finish that. I thought it was just going to bleed into whatever they were going to do for the rest of the set. Uh, even on re I thought that. So it was great to hear them 
wrap up the formal part of the song. It's weird when they do that. At this point, people complain about so many things like transitions back into or what they choose to play out of transitions. We just saw that in AC, where they came out of a transition that was so good and then they played number line and everybody, you could just hear the collective. <sighs> so I kind of like it when they wrap up a tune like that and play the formal end. I mean, give yourself a breather. Why not? We do. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's an interesting conversation, too. We talked about that with Tim on Wook Plus when we were on the lot and how the band now is jamming out and then sometimes awkwardly going back to the formal part of the song to wrap it up. Here, I think it works. Sometimes I think it's okay to leave some of these tunes unfinished and go from the jam into another tune or wherever they want to go. But, I mean, after... Playing this for almost 40 minutes, I mean, it's okay for them to, like, take a break, have a drink of water. (laughs) Of course. I mean, you got to do something there. And then, you know, the rest of the set, it's fine. I have to tell you before we even get into it. Julius, as you know, is not one of my favorite songs, so I skipped over this yesterday. (laughs) But I did listen to The Lizard's Secret Smile on Antelope and like them all. But I walked out right in the middle, probably after the breakdown of The Antelope, and started walking to the car. So maybe this is where I started leaving the encore. But again... I could hear good times, bad times as I'm walking back to our spot. I was just so exhausted just from standing and walking uh, with that knee brace. And it was just time for me to to wrap it up. And I believe you guys even went out late night and I was in the tent asleep. That was the end of it for me. We, we did have a little bit of late night there, but the Julius, I thought that was the rocker, I think, that maybe maybe they could have swapped those two tunes position-wise. Right. Um, not that, that I'm complaining at all. Um, this was my third Julius. I really liked this Lizards, too, man. What a beautiful version. And, again, I think a great placement there, and you've got an 11-minute sure. jam there. Secret Smile, another rarity here. Only nine total plays for this undermined tune and this was the fifth time they had played it and they haven't played this since it's really good december 29th 2016 at the garden so secret smile on a little bit of a a break here as well and then i don't know if there's a better way to shut down a festival than a run like an antelope maybe that's the that's fish's version of you know go out and break stuff you know and you got running around the concert grounds acting like crazy people the drop they nail the drop on this just a fun energetic fast-paced closer and set the gear shift for the high gear of your soul man it just felt like a great period to the end of this sentence of the whole weekend then they get good times bad times i think there's a message there yeah i just was blown away by each of these sets, there's no dogs in any of these sets, you know? I mean, and even if you don't like Secret Smile, it was only three minutes. You're not a big fan of Julius. A lot of people like Julius, you know what I mean? So I don't necessarily see in any of this a song that people are going to 
poo-poo to the point where it would destroy a set. You know what I mean? And, you know, if anybody is like, and No, I wasn't doing that either. I was just tired. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, like I said, we walked dozens of miles over the course of this weekend. We were also sleeping in a tent on the tarmac. So it was not like we were, uh, you know, snuggling up in, you know, soft grass and you know, waking to the birds chirping. And I mean, it was, it was, we were waking up to the smell of urine <laughs> against the fence. People were not using the porta potties. Oh um, God. Guilty as charged probably, but yeah, sure. You know, yeah, it was, uh, it was a festival. It was definitely after a while, two days, it got down and dirty. And then the next day, man, it's time to go home. You know, it's time to go home. Yeah, no doubt. So just to review the third and final set from the It Festival back in August of 2003, Fish opens with a monster 39-minute, 46 days, Julius into the Lizards, Secret Smile into a real fun set closing, Run Like an Antelope, and they encore the festival with good times, bad times, which we definitely had a lot of good times. This trip, there was a lot of take-it-easies going up and back to Maine. That's a long drive. <laughs> yeah, setting up the campsite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Setting up a campsite, you know, when you're tired, when you're hungover, when you were dealing with a blown-out knee. <laughs> Things get testy, you know. Yeah, fuses, fuses can be short, but this was an epic run for us. And still to this day, Skinny probably holds the spot as the top festival that I've been to and I've been to all of the festivals since 99 so I was not at the first three I mean if you want to go all the way back to Amy's farm I wasn't there I was not at the Clifford Ball the Great Wind or Lemon Wheel but I've been at all of them since me too since this one you know I've been to everything except those ones prior to this because again we've said this a thousand times I I didn't start seeing them until 2000 so right but I've been to everyone since, which I've always had an enjoyable time. I just, going back and re-listening musically, this blows probably everything out of the water, and Magna Ball comes at like a very second close, just because of a different spot. And we talked about that last year, but I mean, it was nice. <laughs> it was good. It was great. And the whole it theme throughout the weekend I think was pretty cool yeah. and this is it that was the whole thing and I remember when we drove in they had the sign that said our intent is all for your delight I remember skinny I got a pretty good t-shirt from up here that I, I don't have any longer but it had the road sign you know like the portable road sign and it had it you know in the dotted letters and then underneath it had the dates and then on the back it had I have some good pictures from this. I have the entrance to the actual concert grounds. I have a picture of that. I have a picture of me uh, and our mutual buddy that was on the road with us throughout this entire trip looking up at the actual tower jam as it was happening. It's kind of a wild picture to see the expressions on our face. And I think you can see my brace on, too, which is kind of funny. <laughs> you have to post some of those on uh, IG. I definitely will. Yeah, it was an amazing experience, and it was my first festival. And uh, again, I was ready for more. Although on the way back, I thought it was just interesting how like we, we did a lot in the span of not even a week, and then you know you're turning right around and driving 
however many, 16 to 18 hours back home to Baltimore. So crazy. Remember trying to get out of that parking lot after, after the show? Yeah, a guy like wanted a ride because he saw we had a Maryland tag. And we we're like, bro, no. <laughs> Sorry. And, you know, I mean, I think I, I, I felt like the best restaurant I'd ever been to in my life at that point was probably Subway because <laughs> they had a clean bathroom like in Maine. And uh, it was like, I don't know, finding the Ark of the Covenant was amazing. <laughs> so, plus, probably got like a ham and cheese or something stupid. So. Yeah, it was a great festival overall, and it was so much fun. And uh, reliving that experience from so long ago now, man, like you said, 19 years ago. I ain't getting any younger. That's crazy. Hard to believe. It is. Hard to believe. Well, Skinny, that wraps us up for our 10th episode of Season 3, man. As I said at the beginning of the show, this has been an awesome season. We've really come a long way in uh, three years of doing this thing, man. Not bad, yeah. If you guys want to laugh, especially if you're somebody that has, has listened to more of our recent episodes, go back and listen to like the first five minutes of the very first episode of Stub Me Down and then go and listen to something a little bit later and talk about growth. <laughs> I think we've demonstrated that in spades here. It's just been so much fun, and even if you think we suck, that's okay. <laughs> I would advise you not to go back and listen to that episode, because <laughs> it is shitty. Uh, I get rough. embarrassed by going back. Uh, not anymore. I won't go back and listen to like the first two or three episodes. Maybe I'll challenge myself or something when we have a little bit of a break here. They're short. They're short episodes. That's the best part about them. Exactly. <laughs> But yes, I would agree, like, our feet are already wet now. We're, we're definitely swimming around in the pool, not, you know, just waiting in it. You know, that's all credit to you, dude. Credit to us and the relationship and everything that we've tried to build here. And, and people out there, if you listen, and we always talk about this. We're, we're really appreciative of anybody that kind of turns us on, gives us their ear, and, and lets us either bore you or entertain you or make you laugh or you turn it off. <laughs> We can't thank you all for listening to us enough. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of music out there. There's a lot of things drawing your listening attention. So we are very grateful for the time that you have generously given to us. We have another season coming up, though, Skinny. The bus is still moving. Season four is coming up. We're not going to wait that long. Yeah, we've got some good guests that we're planning to have on. A little bit of a different theme. We talked a little bit this season about the we are everywhere principle and we are in all walks of life. We are in all professions. We are all over the world, all over the country. So we had a little bit of an opportunity to talk about that. And we've talked about taking a closer look at music from a different perspective. That's kind of the general theme of our show. Next season, we'll take a look maybe at some journeys that people take either physically or mentally through the music just continuing to relive the amazing number of shows that skinny and i have seen together over the years which has been in all honesty one of the coolest parts of my life has been being friends with you and going to see shows and being able to talk about that stuff once again is it's a dream come true that i never imagined dreaming wow <laughs> delightful <laughs> well in case you all didn't know, we have some people that we would also not only like to thank, but also support 
which is the lot by primalsoup.com. It's a virtual lot where you can get all types of goods. And we like to highlight certain vendors that are on the lot. And today we're going to highlight a couple. The first one is Elizabeth Beck. Elizabeth is an author and she wrote a summer tour trilogy, which is a fictional story of a crew of friends on fish summer tour. She also writes books of poetry and the most recent released one that she has is Mama Tried. So if you go on Lot by Primal Soup and look for author, you can find Elizabeth back there. Check her out. It'd be great if you do. We like to support different types of art, especially reading. As an English teacher, I'm definitely going to say, like, you should read, even though sometimes I don't. But apparently, from what I've heard, and I haven't read any of her stuff, she's excellent. Uh, a lot of people swear by her, so I'm going to have to check it out myself. J-Dub, what do you got? Yeah, so turn on your Love Light Skinny. This is Love Light, etc., and they make their own soy wax candles and have plenty to share. The main purpose of this particular company is that they're making safer, environmentally conscious candles. Obviously, that's a big part of our community. Materials are all sourced from the United States. They have clear labeling so that you know what's in these candles and they just have a lot of cool products man you can shop by scent you can shop by wholesale they have glass candles clay pottery tin candles if you like to light up your life check out love light etc.com you're the light of my life <laughs> or you can go to the lot by primalsoup.com and you can find all of the shops that they have listed. Of course, we can't forget our buddy Scott Mitchell with Fan Designs. That's P H A N D E S I G N Z. Scott has great shirts, hats, all sorts of merch across the jam band scene. I'm sure that his goose shop is going to be lighting up with the Trey Goose collaboration that's coming up this fall. And I might have to maybe pick up a goose shirt. Who knows? Maybe maybe I release the geese shirt. So you fit in. <laughs> right, well, you know, hey, I gotta look the part, right? <laughs> do Do you ever wear look? So like me, sometimes I go anti. I just wear like a white shirt underneath like a sweatshirt or something. <laughs> it's got nothing on it. <laughs> Here's a funny thing, Skinny. So after I passed 100 shows, I I started to not wear fish shirts to the shows and as you know i'm a i like to do an outfit change right before we go in and so maybe i'll wear a fish shirt on the lot prior but go a little bit more nondescript these days of course if you caught me in atlantic city i was rocking my kramer lobster shirt always a fun one to wear and didn't you wear a larry bird jersey when you were at the la forum i did i did yeah. All right. So he's he's more of a Jersey guy than, you know, wearing his like freshest fish True. tea. Kind of a dick. <laughs> I did wear a lot of Grateful Dead shirts to fish shows. Like that was a big, ah. you know, like I'm part of the scene, man, but I'm not going to wear the band shirt to the show. Uh, we're going nowhere. <laughs> Speaking of journeys. <laughs> Speaking of journeys, hey, if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can check us out on the socials. We are on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. Tell your friends about stub me down. Let us know how we're doing. 
Check us out when we are on tour. We always try to let people know where we're going to be, when we're going to be there. We will be at the Trey Goose Show in Reading, Pennsylvania. We're going to be seeing Billy Strings the night before. We're seeing J-Rad the week before that at the Anthem. So we've got a bunch of shows coming up just because Fish isn't going to be playing. That doesn't mean there's still not music to be seen. So Skinny, great season, man. I love you so much. This is so awesome. I can't wait for season four. Big things coming for us, man. The ball's rolling. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Great summer tour, and it was good to meet a lot of different people, and we had a lot of fun. So we'll see you later. Thanks so much, J-Dub. Right on. Thanks again for listening to Stummy Down. We'll see you for season four, and we will also see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Later, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.